Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of the Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to the Forum. Welcome to the Spiritual Forum, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. I have such a great guest today, and I can't wait to have a conversation with her. But before we start, I just want to appreciate all of you for being listeners, for sharing this podcast with your friends and family, for doing whatever you do to widen the exposure, to get this word of hope, inspiration, and awakening out into the world whether it's a rating a review or adding a comment or just being a regular listener or sharing or donating, all of that's just so, so appreciated. So thank you so, so much. Let me introduce my guest today. Marla Hughes is passionate about children. In addition to having worked with recovering children in the University of California, San Francisco Pediatric Transplant Unit, and with young children with life-threatening diseases at the Dr. Jerry Jampolsky's Center for Attitudinal Healing, Marla founded the Ethiopian Family Fund, a nonprofit dedicated to improving the lives of Ethiopian children. She also recently authored her first children's book, Love Magic, which connects children to loved ones who have passed. Marla speaks nationally on the sacred spiral the Wisdom Wheel, and the importance of creating rituals for young children and families. She's the founder and host of the podcast Interviews with Innocence, where she explores how children can help us reconnect with our spiritual selves. Welcome, Marla. Thank you. It's so wonderful to be here, Carol. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you on my podcast. You had me on yours, and it was just a great experience, too. I love the work you're doing, and I can't wait to hear more about your book and about your service in Ethiopia and about rituals and all of that. Uh, before we get into that, I'd love you to just share briefly what is your spiritual story and how did you get to where you are today? I know that's a long answer. <laughs> you could probably write a book on it. But mm. what would you like to share in terms of your own <laughs> evolution of your spiritual self? Well, I think that I, I've always been really in tune with nature and the outdoors and the magic and mystery of it all. And and Bible school was really important to me when I was young. You know, we had this little like country church that we went to. I think 50 people were there and the community was beautiful and it was just all about love. And so I really grew up in a very nurturing, nurturing home. And my mom was just, it wasn't perfect, that was for sure. Um, my mom was like my angel. But as I, you know, as I got older, I always had a desire to really help people. And I always considered myself spiritual and a yogi. And, and you know, my master's is in exercise physiology. So I had the opportunity to bring that into my work with, with the children that you mentioned in my bio. But what really set me down my spiritual path, and Carol, I don't even know if you know this, but my 18-year-old son passed six years ago. Mm -hmm. And that just, you know, just broke our hearts open. I have two other children who are twins who are a year younger than, than Dino. And I just, I just knew in my heart 
that I had to move forward in a positive way. And that led me, I mean, I had already created the Ethiopian Family Fund, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. And, and my son had even moved to Ethiopia and worked there as an 11th grader in Mother Teresa's mission and a few other places because my, my brother-in-law is a physician in Ethiopia. And that's when I just had a download. I'll call it, you know, it's so funny when you hear spiritual people say stuff like that, like, I just had a download or, you know, I'm getting goosebumps or because you never think that's going to happen to you. But the more you're in this mystery and this world and you do the work, I will say, and I call the work, gosh, prayer, meditation, just, you know, gratefulness, kindness, hope, inspiration, all the things that this, this podcast is about. I just knew that I wanted to, to make a difference and celebrate the wisdom of the young. And I had my kids late. I mean, I was 40 when I had Dean. I was 41 when I had my twins. But being a mother to three little ones under the age of one and a half, <laughs> or was it two, it was my calling. I mean, I love children and animals. And I know how you feel about animals. And it's just been my mission to share the wisdom. And not only that, is to have people on my podcast and in my world that also want to help the children of the world. And what we, what can we learn from them? How can we bring the more wonder and awe into our own lives and just do those really small things that make a difference in the world. So, so that's my spiritual path. You know, I've written a book and I travel. My my daughter and I, we we just did a really fun thing. If you don't mind me, this this is how I like I roll. And my husband, bless his heart, just kind of rolls with me. He doesn't quite understand it all, but I had someone on my podcast who was in the science and medical network. And I was a little bit nervous actually about being on this podcast because it was all these just cosmologists and physics and, you know, just all these really, really great people. Well, it so happened that this gentleman lived in Poland. And not only did he live in Poland, he and his wife had opened up their home, which was really a family. I hate to call it a state. It sounds like it's fancy, but it wasn't fancy. Just a family compound, I will call it, to Ukrainian women and children who were displaced by the war. And finally, I talked Paul into, Paul, this guy from Poland, into letting my daughter and myself fly to Poland, take a circus act, if you will. It didn't end up quite ending up that way. But we took a play. We took musical instruments. We took masks. We just wanted the children to be able to to feel like kids again. And a lot of these kids have dads and moms that were actually in the war. They're still, they're still mm -hmm. in the war. And so we went and just had this wonderful time with the, with the kids and the women and the culture. And those are the things I love to do. I know that's a little out of the box. And, you know, it got, I mean, no one has to fly somewhere to do things like that. But that's kind of how I roll with things. I feel if I get a feeling like I really want to do this, somehow, some way, I usually, I'm usually able to accomplish that. So that was very fulfilling. So that's how my spiritual path is still growing. And I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how I started down this path. 
<laughs> yeah, it sounds like you follow your intuition. Yes. It's interesting. I mean, this idea comes up to go to Poland and it doesn't sound like you have mm-hmm. a lot of chatter saying, why would I do that? Or that'd be hard. Or I can't do that. You're like, okay, <laughs> let's go. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a lot of chatter, but I, I have to admit, I'm so grateful that my family supports that. And I mean, we pay for it. It's not, well, we did do a little, um, we told friends and family and if they wanted to c- contribute a little bit, my, my daughter, who's an artist, made these really cool masks. Oh, oh my gosh, I should bring one up for you. But yeah, I do follow my intuition, but that has been a journey. And, you know, I want your listeners to know it's something that you really have to work on. And in shamanism, which I study and I love, the spiritual, the east to west road, the path is faith, trust, and surrender. Mm. And I have moved to surrender. And I think of those stones and that path every single day because... I've surrendered to my intuition and to God. I happen to love the word God. And yeah, so yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> that's interesting you say that. Some people really struggle with the word God. It's, it's yeah, gotten to be so yeah. ridiculous. I've and don't even say. start with Jesus. Yeah, I know. Just <laughs> yeah, God, spirit, source, mystery. Right. You know, I like long paragraph. I completely understand, though. I went through a period in my own life where I completely rejected the word God. It was a long time ago in my 20s. So I I do understand why people go through that period, but I came Mm -hmm. back to the word too. I think as you're talking about the children in Poland, the the refugees from war, and talk about how we can honor the wonder and awe that children have and the wisdom of children, it does seem like there's, oh gosh, it's, it's, it's almost like within us or within many of us, we want to squelch that. And so we end up really harming children. I mean, war harms children. Mm-hmm. There are so many things out there that harm children. There's children trafficking and, and these things. And it's, it's all about, I've, I've talked to victims who were victims of abuse as children. I've talked, I've talked to many people who have been abused as children. It just makes me so sad. But I think culturally, it's, it's showing us what we really do think of children. And so the work that you're doing to honor children, to recognize the gift that they are, to recognize that they are living in awe and wonder and that we can too, and I think probably also to reconstitute our own inner child, it seems like that's kind of a centerpiece of your life. Oh, it, it absolutely is. And, you know, it's so funny you brought that up. I was just in the morning, I have my little routine and I was just, this might sound cheesy, but I was actually crying about like the children some of the children that I know what they're going through you know Mm -hmm. and it's so it's so true but this is how I feel about I feel about this I'll tell I'll use Poland as an example I could easily use Ethiopia as an example but we took like a bubble machine to Poland oh my Mm -hmm. gosh it was like the best thing we we had ever done, you know, just watching the light and the love in these children's eyes. And I I feel I feel so almost badly for like our generation because 
and it's really not our generation. It's the people having kids now, you know, younger kids. And there's just no presence. And it's so hard to be present. It's so hard to just deeply listen. And this is why I started my rituals project to, to deeply be present. And I'll just quickly tell you a little story. And this was a long time ago, but this is when I really realized that I needed to do something other than just to say it's okay. My, so my, my son, Matthew, who's upstairs working in my office, he, I think he was nine or 10. And anyway, we had changed from a Waldorf school to a real school, if you will, you know, with lockers and computers and all that. We followed a teacher over and I thought a great thing for him to do to get to know people was to, you know, join the summer flag football team because he loves sports. So anyway, so on and so forth, they gave him a rule book, memorize this. They do not, we do not memorize a Waldorf. So all I remember is that he went to it, but when I came to pick him up, I just, I couldn't find him anywhere. And I finally found him underneath the swing all by himself in tears, just overwhelmed and so sad. And so all those feelings that, you know, you just feel in a kid and it was, it's that moment. And I'd like to say people who I say to people who are thinking about a ritual, it's those moments that tear at your heartstrings that a child needs to deeply be listened to and validated and to remember we are always there for them and we love every part of them, you know. And so just to segue a little bit into the rituals that I create is I do use a lot of Waldorf, which is Waldorf just means like really organic, like wax candle making and, and crystals and stones, all the treasures that children love. And then I use some shamanism too. Like I say, a beautiful prayer beforehand. But what it's really all about is that the ritual is very individualized. It's centered around what that celebration or that sad event or whatever. You know, I've done rituals where a, a five-year-old, I think Luke was five. Yeah, he had a new sister. You know, the mom was pregnant and he was really excited. But he was really worried like how life is going to change. I had another little girl who had problems leaving her mom, the attachment thing. And I am not a child psychologist. I just want to say that this is all spiritual, intuitive work. But just to create a sacred space and to light a candle and to talk about that which is going on. And then in, in my little ritual box, I love putting these together because there are things that the kids love. You know, let's say Luke loved soccer. Or let's say Luke loved, he brought his stuffy muffy or whatever, you know, and so you bring that all together and each item in the box is a symbol for love, connection, all of that sort of thing. But it, it's just been beautiful for the ones that I've done. But what's even more important than that probably is that then I, I do this really nice felt thing where you can put the ritual on an altar. Some people don't like the word altar. You can put it wherever you want. So, I mean, a grandma called me the other day. She did a little ritual. I sent her a box. It's a good friend of mine. And she called me crying. She goes, oh, my gosh. Her, her granddaughter had called her from afar and just said, Grammy, I miss you. Let's get our crystals so we can talk from the heart. 
And they went, both ran and got their crystals and just put them to their heart. And this isn't crystal woo-woo stuff. This is just like a beautiful amethyst that, you know, that you can feel the love between the two of you. So it's creating those kinds of connections so children really do know that they are deeply loved. And it's a reminder to us to deeply listen Mm -hmm. and to stop in our tracks when a child really needs us. So that's why I created my little ritual project. Well, I think that is so important. I think about our culture is so lacking in ritual, in rites of passage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I even think how I grew up myself, when traumatic things happened, we just kind of went on to the next thing. And right. maybe there was a little bit of, oh, you know, poor Carol, but then we kind of go on to the next thing. And so, you know, as a child, you're kind of left with a, a wound, a wound. So that would be like a, a trauma point, I think, because you weren't yeah. listened to, you weren't felt, understood. And I think it's so interesting to think that just lighting a candle, just being acknowledged, little one, you know, I understand how, you, you know, I don't understand. Right now, you are going through something that you're experiencing, and let's light a candle for that, and let's, let's right, hear right. your feelings. And then cre- creating anything around these points where we have a, a shift in our feelings, or we're growing up, or we're feeling like we're missing something. I love the story of the crystal and the grandma. I mean, how sweet is that? Yeah. I mean, what do I was say, how do we how do we get ritual back in our world? Because I think that it's one of the things that causes some of the chaos we're in. Because all of us are little children mm-hmm. who were never heard at some point or didn't ritualize events in our lives. So I'm I'm just kind of wondering, and maybe maybe you're the one to write this <laughs> write a book about rituals for children <laughs> or helping adults to ritualize their own lives. So what are your thoughts on how we can reinstate this in our world? Well, I've I have been recording the rituals I've been doing and I kind of have a book in the back of my mind, but I, I don't know if I'll do that or not, but I think it would be helpful. It begins really with a shift in our I hate to say our parenting, but just slowing down, you know, and everybody's heard this. I know everybody's tired of hearing this, but it all begins with us, the caregivers, these of uh, these little ones. And so they can see us meditate because what I also meditate and other things, but, <clears throat> you know, we have to help them develop an inner strength. And the rituals are usually for pretty young kids where they're still connected to the source. As Wayne mm-hmm. Dyer says, they still have droplets of heaven clinging to them. I just love that. But so then they have these resources where they can go within themselves. And when I say within themselves, to also be able to get quiet, to listen, to listen to their intuition and to know that there's something bigger than themselves mm-hmm. that will help them. And and so whether you say parents or caregivers, and honestly, I'm thinking about mostly doing, I already have a name for it, it's called Grandmother's Footprints, that this is such a great thing for grandparents. And I'll say grandmas just because I can't. No, no, grandparents, because they have the time and the energy. And so to draw from that wisdom down to the innocence of the young children wisdom. Though, really, how do we bring ritual back? We just try to get the message out there, a reminder that we're not 
listening and we need to help these little ones develop this this inner strength. And so bringing it into our own lives. And anybody that's watching this podcast is probably already doing this. But, you know, just the tiny things that a child sees you reading your I Am book or the Bible or whatever, the archangels, which I'm like reading about the archangels right now. I never grew up with that, but I love it. And just, you know, pulling a tarot card, having some crystals, just having that energy so children can see that and then bringing it into the family. That's, but that's a big, I, I, think, I think the world is changing. Don't you think the world is changing a little bit more towards that? Or have I just been in this field too long? <laughs> <laughs> I think personally, I think that there's a divergence. I think that right. there's, a, there's a big awakening going on and people, many people are getting closer to source and, and, and evolving spiritually. And, and I think that, that others are really getting trapped in the ego layers. And for me, yes. I see this divergence happening. So you're you're just probably focusing on, on the, the timeline that I'm seeing where yeah the good part evolution. yeah, I've yeah. Been, I had a really yeah, interesting podcast yeah. interview with Dr. Edith Mbutu Chan and she's she does all this alternative education for children she calls mm. them uh, what are they the she doesn't call them crystal children but anyway she talks about how the, the how indigo? the children are being the, she doesn't say indigo she's got another term for it but the point is is yeah. that that there are a lot of children a lot of souls coming onto the planet that are lighter, exactly. that have that more, that are shining more light, and so she says, as other podcast guests I've talked to, that some of the quote evil that we see in the world is more obvious because there's more light on the planet, and these children are bringing yeah. this this light, and so it's very, very, very hopeful. And I do think it's right. our job as adults, for those of us that are at least connected enough to our own inner child, that we can do this work that we can hold that space for them and so that they can grow up and really shine their light because they have a huge contribution, I think, to give to the world. But I also see these mm -hmm. rituals and I also see the people, most people are very, very, very disconnected from their inner child. So they've experienced this, these trauma points. And for example, I have examples in my life where there was a break in belonging, you know, my, my cat was run over or poisoned or some things like that happen. And I didn't, my world didn't pause and hold that in a ritual state. So that child within me is still kind of wanting that ritual. So I'm actually thinking we can do this for yeah. our own selves as well, that we can create this absolutely. ritual for our inner children. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that rituals, you're right, they're not... They need to be so much more apart, interwoven into the fabric of the universe. <laughs> and to take Evan Alexander's words, he was talking about the golden rule, but you know, it's all kind of a, kind of goes into the same bucket. Yeah, yeah. So I had a couple of interviews with PMH Atwater, and she studied a lot of near death experiences with children. And by the way, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but the studying of near death experiences has really changed my life. Yes, and with children and with adults. And that exactly what you just said, that these children, I think she, it's called children of the fifth world or something, but they're just pouring into this world and you can just see it. You can just feel it. I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> see, there's one of those things that we say, but that are saying, you know, this is kind of like all wrong. 
And I, yeah. we're going we're, we're gonna to make this right, whether it has to do with family, gender, buying houses, what, whatever it might be, the environment. I mean, these children are just showing us, showing us the way. And we, we need to celebrate that. And once again, we need to listen. I don't know, you know, what's going on with this middle section of like, 35 to like 65. They think that age group thinks they know everything, right? But it's taking the wisdom and the innocence. And, and we were just in Spain and I was so touched by how they celebrate their elderly. Hmm. They just talk to them and just share with them and gain wisdom of them. So that's another thing I'm very, you know, I'm such an advocate, hence the grandmother's footprints. But bringing those two energies together mm-hmm. and and also just putting it out there in the world, whether, you know, once again, if you if you want to call it prayer or quiet or whatever you do, I'm not really that religious anymore. I'm more spiritual. And I know people don't like it when you say that, but it's just it's true. That's who I am. But just to be putting that energy out there into the consciousness mm-hmm. and being a light yourself. And, and I think that, you know, little by little, that's how, that's how conscious, how life, you know, how it changes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if that made any sense. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It does. Do you want to talk about your work in Ethiopia now and what, what that was all about? Yeah, I'd love to talk about my work in Ethiopia. So my brother-in-law, Dr. Rick Hodes, if you want to look him up, um, after medical school he had, at Johns Hopkins. He did a Fulbright scholarship in Ethiopia, and while he was there, he just fell in love with the countryside. This was many, many years ago. He's been there almost 40 years now, and he works with kids who have spinal, really bad spinal deformities and cancer and heart disease, and he worked at Mother Teresa's. He's an internist. He's not a surgeon, but he finds these children that need life-saving surgeries, and he sends them to India or the United States. So anyway... I decided I was going to go out and visit him because none of the family ever had, and that's just how I do things. And so I hopped on a plane with two girlfriends and and one, actually, a girlfriend whose daughter was a filmmaker and her daughter's girlfriend friend was a photographer, and we went to Ethiopia to do a film. Well, we did do a film, but it was a very student-like film, and we used it a little bit, but while we were there, we were really taken in by Rick's work, but what we were really taken in by were the little girls that were being sent off to work and to marriage and not becoming educated. So we decided that we were going to find an organization that provided resources for the poorest of the poor in Ethiopia. And from those, those groups, those little communities, we would then take it a bit further and find sponsors for the little girls that were like four or five years old and send them send them to school to get an education. So I'll never forget the first day we had them all come in and um, we were going to pick five children and do a pilot study. Well, like 35 came in and we just took them all. <laughs> like we're going to figure <laughs> this out one way or the other. So we started that program, and these kids are in college now. A few like had to either drop out for it is Ethiopia, but um, they're in college. We have doctors, we have accountants, we have you know all the girls are just doing. And I go back every year if I can, 
and I see the girls and it's just it's just beautiful. And then I also got involved in working with women who are HIV positive and have been very ostracized from from society. And we help them and most of them have young children build sustainable skills and create sustainable businesses. And so we help them and make sure their kids are in, in, in school and are well nourished. And I think one of my, my favorite projects in Ethiopia, however, is a little village. I love to go to the villages and work with the children. And I actually called it my love project. And this was a little place in Alita Wando, which is really the coffee, one of the co- the Sadamo region where coffee is made. It's a beautiful a community that actually a friend of mine married an Ethiopian, and he was from this village when he was a child. So they went back and built a school, grades one through five, for the children who were orphaned in the community and also started a women's empowerment um, program. And the orphans are, you know, they live with family members or they're just not out on the street. So they know they're going to get to school and this and that. So I did a love project there. And I'll never forget Valentine's Day. They had no idea what that was. Mm -hmm. And we took like, we had to take little hearts and we did affirmation circles and we did role playing. We took a bunch of puppets out and did role playing with how to treat elders and about kindness and about bullying and being left out. And these kids just ate it up. They just absolutely loved it. And yeah, just hung with them, played soccer and volleyball and, and it was just beautiful. So that's my work in Ethiopia, and I go every year now. We're also working with some heart valvular injuries, working with a surgeon there, which in Ethiopia, it's really crazy. You can actually scrub up. My, we, my family did this. Well, one of my sons did not want to, which was absolutely fine. But we scrubbed up and actually watched open heart surgery. I mean, oh, we were standing looking at the doctor was like, here's the aorta. And my, the, guy, the patient was in a heart lung machine. You know, when can, when can you do that like in America? Wow. But this work is so fulfilling because you come back changed. You know, you just come back, recognize, first of all, you help people and you change their lives, but you come back recognizing what's really important in life. And you no, know, selfishly, that's what I love too, because it just brings once again more, hopefully more, more light into the world. And and people love the work. I've had people go with me. And so so anyway, that's my that's my work in Ethiopia. So you come back transformed, you come back with a deeper understanding of what's important in the world. What is your conclusion there? What is important in the world? When you come home, what? Well, it's all individual. To me, it's my, it's not the clothes I wear. You know, it's my children. It's my family. It's my dogs. It's about, it's the elderly I surround myself with. It's that I'm starting to volunteer at the Shea Center. It's a therapeutic horse riding. I have a special needs nephew. My twin sister's son, who we adore, does the therapeutic horse riding. He's He's disabled, and to you know, give back to those who are are crippled or disabled or just not 
the kind that that a lot of people in Western civilization try to stay away from, you mm. know. And so I come back with renewed sense like you of what I eat and how I live and and just all of that. Yeah, just just away from the materialism, I guess. Away yeah. from, you know, away from that. Yeah, I was going to ask generally, I, I, you really can't generalize a, a culture. I mean, you can't yeah. generalize people. Yeah. But do you have a sense that the people that you were serving and working with in Ethiopia had a different value system than we do here? Oh, absolutely. Or first of all, it's so old. You know, it is the cradle of civilization, mm -hmm. maybe arguably, but... The traditions are so old. The coffee ceremonies, the bread. I mean, all the women, when we'd go see these little girls and they'd all come and show off their little English they had or what, whatever this is when they were little. And the moms would all be so excited and they'd do this, you know, crying and coffee ceremonies and bread and, and very religious, very orthodox Christian, which is kind of a, I'm finding out it's kind of a combination of Judaism and, and Christianity and very observant of their, I mean, it's just not like this person believes in this and this person believes in that, even though it is a community where Christians, Muslims, and Jews live, you know, they live well together. But these holidays are the whole world comes out for these things. And the dress is so important, you know, the white and the colors and the, and the family, oh my gosh, family they are to the family is together like all the time you know they don't have all this and if they do play soccer they don't score you know i mean they don't keep track of, of yeah. how much you've scored they're just out there so just all, it's a totally different culture i i forgot to mention that that rick my brother um, brother-in-law he adopted five ethiopian children and two of them actually Jenny was just here the other night he met at Mother Teresa's and they had really, they were orphans and they had really bad, bad spinal spine, like a 90 degree. Mm. And it's not just cosmetic, you know, as you get older, it can be life threatening. And so it, it's a, actually a, a very cool story because he was not married. And he, the, back then, the only way that he could get surgery for them is to put them on his health plan. Mm. And he says he looked to the almighty God and he knew that he had to adopt them so they'd be able to get this life-saving surgery. And he did. So we have these Ethiopian nephews. Most of them have come to the United States and gone to school. Dijini, my nephew that's here now, he then went back to Ethiopia and he started. These, these kids are so ambitious. It's just like crazy. So, so yeah, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm rambling a little bit. But the culture is, I love it. I mean, I could live there for a while, actually. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> I love that deep, deep tradition stuff. Yeah. That's so interesting <laughs> that it's the history that's kind of grounding them. And I, mm. I, I just think it's interesting that we in the West think that we've got it all going on, you know, that we think that we're, right. we're so fortunate and, you know, and we are fortunate in, in lots of ways, Yes, but that just the, the depth and the richness and the connection to the earth and to other people and the ritual and, it's like there's something about the, that expression of humanity that overall, and I can't speak for everyone and I don't want to, but overall, it is missing in our culture. The, the electronics mm. and everything that's distracting us and TV, it keeps us really from, from experiencing that depth. And you know, maybe 
I remember the term now is luminous children. Maybe the luminous oh, children. Luminous. I like the, that actually. Isn't that's, that nice? That's a great term. Very I really nice. like it. I like it better than yeah, indigo and all that. Kind of have a. The others have a little bit of a, a vibe to you know the crystal yeah. and it PMA. Right. When people use those it's terms. It's too new agey. The luminous is great job. Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I do too. The luminous children. <laughs> the luminous souls are coming onto the planet. You know, you can see yeah. the lights coming down and coming through the birth canal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about children as you were inspired to write this book, Love Magic. Can you talk a little mm. bit about what the book is about? I've read it. I love it. It's a beautiful message and it has yeah. beautiful, beautiful illustrations. And it's really about helping people, children. It's about helping children with with death and with coming to grips mm -hmm. with that and to, you know, recognizing a higher power. What inspired you to do this? And tell us a little bit about your journey and, and what you want to accomplish with your book. Well, I wrote my book because I I feel in the West, especially that, you know, you look at indigenous cultures and life is a circle. I mean, I really don't like the word death, but I'll use that, use it anyway. I hear transition. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, I don't just feel I know we do our children such a disservice because this is really the race most of us were raised that no one talks about death, you know, mm -hmm. that it's scary. It's like, you know, what no one talks about where you go. Where, and we do have such great opportunities with children. I mean, we have it, you know, with, I hate to say a pet or, or this or that, but we have these opportunities to not children live in fear. I, th I think that so many of us live in so much fear. Mm -hmm. And so they don't live in fear about when someone transitions. So I was just thinking, so the book is about my my daughter, who when she was young, she had this crazy curly blonde hair and Pop Pop, who is my father-in-law. And Pop Pop passed. And just feeling once again, just downloaded to me, like how lost children are when that happens. Because no one tells them they can still connect to them and think about them and love them. You know, people just say they're gone, but they're not gone. Their energy is here. And so the book is, is about that. It's about signs and synchronicities. And it's about a little girl who just misses her pop pop terribly and they had this thing with bubbles too where they would play this little bubble game but but her grandma once again coming up on ancient wisdom said you know what charlie you you know you can connect pop pop you know here let me show you so in the book they play some of his music and they close their eyes and feel him and talk about it they go out and look at the clouds they they talk about bubbles, they talk about, and then one of the favorites is, one of Popoff's favorite things was hummingbirds. And so it's this little girl on this journey, and she really wants to believe really badly what her grandma is telling her, but she doesn't know, you know, she's sick, she says, I don't know about this. But then the day comes that she's out running with Cosmo, and she discovers this beautiful hummingbird, and she just hears Pop-Pop say in her heart, I am always here for you and I will never leave you. And you can, all I, I'm just a thought away. And she just goes off skipping and whistling, knowing that everything that grandma told her was really true. So it's a very, very sweet book. I had a great time, great time writing it. 
So yeah, that's what love magic is about. Yeah, I, I do think it's an important thing for children to learn because I think when people pass in their life, it's either, oh, they're gone or they're in heaven or someday you'll see right. them. Or it's like, what is that? I mean, like, what is that? Even though children have an imagination, they can imagine all that. But it's like, the, to, to know that the essence, the love, the heart, I can, I can talk now. I don't have to disconnect. I think that's really, really right. important. Yeah. Oh, and that they become their, their angels, their guardian angels. Yes. Like for a child to learn from a very young age, all they have to do is call them pop, pop. And they know in their heart, because they've learned this since they were two, that he, and they feel him and just using their intuition. Yeah, it's just, it's just so important. It's just another, another piece of it. That's yeah, we I don't do magic. well with death in our culture at all. And mm -hmm. I think that we don't, we don't even know really how to to be with it, to honor it, to be okay with it, to move through it. There's just so much of a sense of falling without any handholds. And even like you said, you don't like the term death. I, I think we also refer to that. I, I do believe that we don't necessarily die. So maybe that, that word isn't right because there is an <laughs> eternal, at least I believe that we continue to, well, I, I, just, I just don't have any doubt about that at all <laughs> that we that we are right. a continuation Neither. that we were before and we are after uh, but what a great thing to to teach children so that we can create a culture around that which is right. which would be completely different i mean a culture would be completely different if we all kind of got that i think yeah i i just interviewed someone on my show and i was so excited she did this and i'm spacing her name right now but i'm sure that the title, if anybody wants to go watch it, it's in the title. But she wrote a book about teaching a child about a near-death experience. Mm. And I just thought that's so brilliant because it's mm -hmm, kind of like mm -hmm. something I always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And it's this little boy that is a bully and, and he's in a horrible accident. He's not dies, but then he comes back to life. And what he sees and what he experiences and it's just, it's so true and it's so real. And it, there's such a strong message because really, what do near-death experience, experiencers, what, what does it teach us? It teaches us that, that it, it really is true that everything that we do in our lives matters. And, and not to really get into it, but the life review, and I'm talking tens of millions of people now who are coming out with mm -hmm. these near-death experiences. And the life review where you experience not only what you have situations, but how you've made the other person feel. Mm -hmm. And that's the judging part of when you pass. And for myself, and I know for to share this with in a soft way, but every day I think about or I try to, I just think, well, sometimes I think, well, I don't want to see that in my life review. <laughs> so I want to handle this differently. But it does make you walk differently in life. And so anyway, it's a great little book that she wrote. And I think it just came out. So anyway, if anybody's interested, I think it's a great resource. Yeah, I can just see. You don't want to do that, Johnny. Your life review is going to reveal this. I can see people using it that way. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, you know what? Well, listen, you know what's crazy is that we think about these things. But look at all the other 
things that were drilled into, I mean, it, that's not crazy because that's true in my mind. But think of all the other crazy things that were just drilled into our heads when we were young children. Mm -hmm. And to be able, I mean, it really does make a difference. Mm -hmm. It really does make a difference what we share with these children, what we teach these children. They have much more to teach us. But, but yeah, yeah, I think it'd be great. <laughs> Something to think about. Sure, sure. Well, Marla, I love having you on because you are love in action, I think. You're a person who's out there in service to spirit authentically as yourself. And I'm always looking for people who are actually in the world, loving people and being in service to people and, and giving to the world, giving back to the world in the way that, that your intuition guides you, in the way that you're inspired to do that. Because I think not everyone's going to follow your path. Not everyone's going to do the Poland and the Ethiopia. And, but, but I think everybody has something that Spirit's calling them it, it, their own unique way to express love and be love on the planet. And I think your life, you know, who you are and how you're living your life is, you're kind of an exemplar, I think, for that, for being love in action. And that's why I love your story so much. <laughs> mm, thank you. Yeah, you're so right. It's, you know, you don't have to fly to these places. It's just, you know, it's just about kindness, Mm -hmm. Kindness is the action of love, and that's all it's about. If it's a neighbor or if it's it's just anything, it, it's about being kind, and that mm -hmm. I really try hard. I'm not, not perfect all the time. None of us are, but that's what, what it's all about, I feel. Yeah. And plus, I don't really want to have to revisit. I don't really want to have that to come life back review. again, so I'm trying oh, to be okay. really good. <laughs> Well, I do think I do think it is it is simpler it is simpler than we make it. Just be kind. <laughs> That's pretty simple. <laughs> we complicate life so pretty much. simple. Just be it's kind. Pretty simple. Be kind yeah. to yourself. Right. Be kind to your inner child. Listen to the inner dialogue and how you talk to yourself. Love yourself. Love your exactly. neighbor. You know, love your enemy. Those kind of the teachings of Jesus. <laughs> pretty simple. Not always easy, mm -hmm. but it's simple, simple teachings. I want to give you the last word yeah. if you have it anything. Is, Go ahead. I was just going to say, and this is not to sugarcoat like all the terrible things that are happening in the world, but to try to just have empathy and once again, some, just some kind, loving words of prayer, support. I do believe strongly that we do have a plan before we come to this earthly realm and that we decide the lessons that we want to learn. And some of those are really, really difficult lessons. And so I do believe that and, and I don't see it as a cop-out or anything. And it doesn't really explain all of the things that are going on, but, but you just do your part. You know, you just do your part and just once again, love and have kindness and, and just do the best that you can. That's all, that's all God really wants. Yeah, I think, I think so too. And I, I think with all of the craziness going on in the world, that's what we can do. You know, that's it. You know, we don't really have to try to solve all those big problems. We don't have to get up and all angry and upset about things, even though that may be part of what our ego wants us to do. 
But one thing we can do every day is be kind. One thing we can do every day is be love in action and, and love people. And that really shifts the energy of the planet. It's what we can do in the midst of chaos, yes, in the midst is. of the craziness. And while, while we're waiting for the luminous children <laughs> to come and fix it all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, they're here. They're here. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're here. They're here and they're pouring so in. So, okay. Well, thank you, Marla. Thank you, Marla, for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much. It was it was an honor. And you were going to ask me, I think, a, a few words of to wrap it up, even yeah. though I kind of just did that. But just to, to once again, just to celebrate celebrate our young and just be present and and celebrate those really special things and with the elderly and and it changes you it changes you because once again you get your feet muddy you get into the messiness of life and laughing and, and you know i suggest go out and you lay lay wherever and look at the clouds and just just be a kid again and just remember you know just just remember so I think spending spending time like that with yourself and with your loved ones is that's what what life is all about. It's need to we need to cherish cherish that. We say in shamanism that what do you find sacred? What is sacred? That's such a great word, sacred mm -hmm. in your life. And the next question is how much time do you spend with that? Mm. So that's something to think about. Those are both heavy questions. What do you find sacred in your life? And how much time you spend with that. That's a really good inquiry to be in. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll have the links to your so. book and anything else that you want. And I think this is going to air right before Thanksgiving. I think it'll be a really good time for it as we approach the holidays. Well, well thank you, Carol, so much. It's my pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I just love my listeners. I just love you. And I just really appreciate you. So... I thank you for, for joining us today and have a fabulous week. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being. Thank you.